0: morning church today we are continuing on the series of spiritual gifts and today my topic is fellowship and service now when I look around the church I'd be the first to admit that I would be the worst person in this church to talk about fellowship certainly is not my strong point if you haven't noticed already I'm not a people person I'm shy, I'm a very poor conversationalist um, and I'm very, very awkward around people. So what gives me the right to stand up here and preach to you about fellowship? So I want to answer that with a story, if I could. So when I was a teenager, um, my mother went to the doctor and our doctor was a rather large man. Quite big, actually. So my mother goes in, and my mother's about four foot tall. So my mother goes in and he stands her up against the wall and measures her height and then puts her on the scale and measures her to see how much she weighs. And then he consults his chart and he says to her, oh, you're technically obese. And I remember this because when my mum come home, steam was coming out of her ears, face was red, and she said, how dare you say I'm fat. He's the one that's fat. He should be the one going on the diet. (coughs) Now, if you think about this logically, if my mother went to a skinny doctor, he would have told her exactly the same thing. In fact, I would have thought that going to an overweight doctor with a weight problem would be better than going to a skinny doctor. Because at least the, the overweight doctor understands what it's like to be overweight. Where the skinny doctor might tell you the right things, but in the back of his mind he might be thinking, why don't you just have some self-control, like I've got? So maybe the problem has got nothing to do with the doctor. Maybe the problem's with a message. Maybe my mother, you know, um, she didn't. She had to act, and in and out. She had to act, and she had to lose weight. So, I'm no professional, but the message I'm bringing you today is being shared by millions of pastors around the world to their congregations. So, I'm saying don't shoot the messenger, basically. (laughs) I'm only bringing you the word from the Bible, the word of God. So, the messenger is flawed, but the message I'm bringing you is the right message and the right diagnosis. Okay, so let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you that we can be here today. Um, Please help me to bring this message to the congregation. Please give me the confidence, um, give me the words, Um, and please also let the congregation listen and take it in their heart and please plant a seed, plant a seed in the rich soil that can grow from here. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Now, who remembers um, in August last year, um, when we had a workshop run by Pete Davis. Um, it was over two weekends to discuss what what was going on and to put together the mission statement for the church. So does anyone remember that? So that was surprising. That's hard to remember that that was August last year. And do you remember we were also shown a graph, and the graph was entitled The Life Cycle of a Church, and it was a bell curve, so it goes up like a bell, down like a bell. Does anyone remember doing that bell curve? And does anyone remember where we were on that bell curve? On the way down, on the way down. So there's three stages of that bell curve. There's on the way up, which is growth, the stability or sustained health, which is across the top, and then um, on the way down, we have a decline. Wingham Baptist Church all voted that we're in decline. In fact, I was quite shocked because I thought we were on the kind of the little cusp at the top, sort of halfway in decline and, and stability. But I think I was the only one. I think everybody else said we we're in decline and quite a, a way down in decline. Now what happens if we stay in decline? Carol? You fade out. You fade out, the church the doors will close and the church will die, right? We'll have a dead church. So I thought today we might hold a funeral because what happens when a church dies is the numbers go down and they leave and a few people leave and a few people leave. Then the doors close and no one gets to say goodbye, no one gets to have a wake and that's basically the end of the church, So ladies and gentlemen, I'd ask you to stand, please, if everyone could stand. And I'd ask the pallbearers to bring in William Baptist Church into the church, please. (laughs) This way. Glad there's no body in there, it'd be falling over by now. Ladies and gentlemen, you can sit down now. Ladies and gentlemen, behold, Wingham Baptist Church, dead. Now I'd like to now ask one of our long-standing members, actually a federation member, um, Jill Hampton, to present the eulogy, if you could, Jill.
1: Welcome, church. Are we on? The pallbearers, are they with us? Um, When Graham mentioned the eulogy, I thought, well, that's normally uh, the past. You know, they're gone. But I'm sort of a bit more of a visionary and want to be hanging in with the future. So I'm quite uh, a little bit different, but it's um, along the lines. I'm looking at birth. Welcome to the saga of Wingham Baptist Church, compiled to the best of my ability and my foggy memory. We have been here, Ray and I, um, in this area for 50 years, so our memory does get a little edgy. It's not just Ray, but Jill too. Giving birth to a new life is never easy. It can be painful, disappointing, but joyous. Unforeseen events can happen and our best plans can go astray, like the new birth of our church in Wingham. The blessed event occurred on the 4th of February, 1990, amidst one of Wingham's biggest floods in history. All the bridges were well under and the town was cut off completely until about four o'clock in the morning. Where was Noah when we needed him? 120 excited friends and family had gathered at the CWA rooms for the opening to celebrate this long-awaited birth. Excitement was felt by all. Over the preceding year, a dilemma was approaching. Should we step out in faith? A very committed group of Wingham Baptists had been praying about the beginning of a work in Wingham all of us being part of the Tari Baptist Church at that time. The Holy Spirit was really leaning on us and how would this great event happen? When? Why? Where? Could this blessed event be brought into being? Stephen Jamison was the pastor in Tari at the time and what a man of God he was. His And his decision... Uh, was to make, allow us as a group out at Wingham to move to Wingham, leaving a hole in the Tari Baptist Church, a big hole. His response was, and from the church at Tari, and this you don't hear very often, is go with our blessing. That was just music to our ears. 28 serving members would walk out of that door, taking with them their gifts, their skills, their commitment, and also their offerings to give birth to a new venture. Tari sacrificially supported Wingham for 12 months uh, in the rent of the CWA and of the Wingham High School, uh, the Wingham Public School. Paul Hubbard and his wife Isabel accepted the call to become our pastors. Peter Frendon was the secretary, and Ray Hampton the Treasurer. The books have always been in good hands, so you're yeah, all right. <coughs> Hiring, we hired some rooms in the town hall for a church office. Um, we soon outgrew the CWA and moved to Wingham Public School, then on to the new multi-purpose centre at Wingham High. And also we had the use of the, of the library there for Sunday school. The topic, the topic of the rent was discussed with the principal. He was a very generous man and he suggested, would $50 a week be okay? Okay? Wow, yes, we'll have it. Where are the keys? We were just so excited and it was just lovely to have a great big building like that for our use. And the plus was it had a grand piano. So everyone, Natalie, they'd be dying to get to the grand piano. Paul was our pastor for seven years and we saw great growth. Now we're talking about the bell. Great growth and the Hubbards moved back to Newcastle after seven years for the education of their children. Our congregation was just over 100 at that time. God only had really blessed that step of faith. Alan and Sharon Speakman followed for the next six years. Was it it six or seven? About right, six. Um, and we purchased a manse in a parney Close. At this time, Dave Calder was the manager of a bogus service station at the coal centre down the road here. And he was a builder by trade in a former life. One day, Dave was reading the popular Wingham Chronicle, and it spied an article. And it said, expressions of interest to purchase the Boral timber mill site with three acres of gra- land on the corner of Richardson Street and Murray Road. Negotiations began with Boral. Of course, our bank balance was not healthy at that time. But Boral was very eager to sell and were even offering us, this is what I thought was funny, even, even they were offering us the site of the mill at Mount George if we'd like to buy. <laughs> Who'd like to go up there? <laughs> Sorry, you Mount George people. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> but but fortunately, God is in, the, is in business. He, God knows his business and he understands finances better than us. Boral had suggested we make an offer. Dave mentioned the lowly figure how ridiculous is this, of $75,000 and we waited for a quick refusal or at least some bargaining. Sold, said the boral boss. God does work in wonderful ways and renovations began in earnest to pull this very shabby and dirty building into a place of worship. This is where generosity comes in. Summer Hill Baptist Church in Sydney had just sold their building and were offering um, some of their funds to new church plants and we became the beneficiaries of a generous gift of $30,000. Where, where I'm standing now, around about now, um, was the open loading dock for the timber. New flooring was put in. Offices were all renovated out the front because it had a whole lot of offices out there Um, and we um, got a new kitchen and we got the other offices and that Sunday School Hall as well, which was just great. Much painting and timber work uh, had added to make the building look just great. The church family picked up paintbrushes, hammers, tools, whatever was needed uh, to get the building into great shape. Alan Speakman joined the workers with a cake in hand. One day I noticed, and refurb- refurbished the building, and it was opened by Dave Calder on the fourth of February, two thousand two. Hey, you did. Oh. I remember you coming with a cake one day. That was that was important. <laughs> Paul Avery followed Alan in this ministry for another six years. Uh, then Jim Tilson for four and then Andrew who's been here about four. In between pastors, we had periods of freedom. That means no pastor. Um, And we were allowed to use our gifts and talents and flex our muscles in really special ways because when you're on your own without a pastor, you've got to work together. And that's what we did. And it was very, very good. Over the years, we've seen... Many baptisms, especially at the creek at our farm, uh, where the water was guaranteed to be very cold, but people didn't care. They said, "We want to get married, we want to get married. We want to get baptized." Uh, we had some weddings, funerals, of course. Um, youth group began with Sharon and Alan, and they had a great pile of kids, about 50, I think, to start with, um, which began then I took over, and Trish Redmond, we took over from them. 50 kids on a Friday afternoon. Youth pastor Luke Wiley joined us as well as being the chaplain at Wingham High. And Paul Avery had also been the Christian teacher at the school and the chaplain too. So there was lots of great family gatherings. I was just talking to Nader about it the other day. We enjoyed especially the dress-up nights. Love the dress-ups. But um, they were always great fellowship nights to get together. Many of our originals have gone to glory or moved away. But Marion Townsend is still with us. Thank God for that. Uh, And also Gwen and Ken Rapley. And of course, Ray and I. (coughs) Um, Nev Tyler's mum and dad, um, Joy and Peter, were early members of the church. And then when they passed on, the house became vacant and they moved up from Tarley. Correct? Right. Uh, So we were very pleased to welcome them. Recently uh, the Speakmans have returned too after a bit of a gap and it's lovely to have them with us again too. We've been truly blessed as a church down through the years and that warmth of friendship and fellowship still prevails. While our numbers have decreased, God's Holy Spirit still prevails and will continue. And we just if you wanted to look at some photos outside there of of down through the the different places where we were, it just goes to show you the huge numbers that we did have at times. But this is a fellowship that where people care about each other. The warmth of fellowship is still here. And uh, so we never, even though we might be fewer in numbers, we still love each other. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Jill. So our church is definitely worth fighting for, is what that boils down to i don't know if anyone watched the queen's funeral i mean i I didn't but i did see the news and i've seen that people were lined up for hours and hours um just to walk past the coffin um and pay their respect so i thought we might do the same thing but of course we haven't got a body so i've had to add a bit of a twist i'll have to i've got my special opener here (laughs) to open the coffin Um, So what I might do is I might get people to, um, we might get this side to go first in a a minute when I get organised and I'll get um, this side to walk through first and then um, we'll do row by row and then we'll get the middle and then we'll get this side. Um, So what I will say, okay, so inside the coffin, and if anyone figures this out, um, please be quiet and don't give it away to everyone. Inside the coffin I've got two items. Now one item is the reason we're in decline, it's the reason we're in decline. And the other item is the way we can fix it. It's the cure, it's the, remedy to fi- it's the remedy to fix it. In each section of the coffin there is a mirror, so as each person walks past they see themselves as the reason for the decline as well as the solution. Okay, what would you think of that, something different? So the amazing thing about this is that everyone who looked in seen someone different. That's amazing. So what does this mean? Collectively, we are the church. We're not the members of the church, we're not the congregation of the church, but we are the actual church. Together, we are the body of Christ. And as such, we have the responsibility, both individually and collectively, to draw together in fellowship and to serve our leader, Jesus. And in doing so, prevent a slow death of our church. So, one Corinthians twelve twenty-seven says it well: "Now you are the body of Christ; each one of you is part of it." So now on to fellowship. What is fellowship? Well, I have to say I feel a bit inadequate standing here and doing this. I'm going to give you a Greek word, and especially after we've had some classes in here, I'm, I'm you know they're going to that's not right. <laughs> but I'm sure that the, um, the, the Google interpretation is close. So the New Testament word for fellowship is koinona, koinonia. Some English words which help explain its meaning might be common, communion, shared or contribution. To hold something in common. It is a word denoting a relationship dependent on more than one individual. Put this all together in Koinonia expresses the idea of being together for mutual benefit for the shared, for a shared and common cause. Hebrews 10 24-25 shares this idea saying let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see that day approaching. Fellowship, I'm just going to move this because I keep walking over the top of the lead. Fellowship encourages and expresses love towards each other. However, Christian fellowship is not fellowship unless Christ is at the centre of our fellowship because what we have in common is Jesus. What we are sharing is our experiences in Jesus and our love for Jesus. Now, Christian fellowship is like this valve. So I brought a, this is an engine valve. It's got absolutely really nothing to do with my sermon except the shape of it. I want you to sort of visualise this shape. So the shape of it, we've got Jesus at the core in fellowship and that spreads out to between us. So Jesus must be at the core. Christian fellowship, well, I've already said that. Vertically, we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Jesus must be the core of our fellowship and then horizontally we have fellowship with each other. Without fellowship with Jesus we cannot have Christian fellowship. So what is, so fellowship is a spiritual gathering being social over spiritual matters. So fellowship is a spiritual gathering being social over spiritual matters. So what is service? So I haven't gone to the um, Greek word for this one. I've gone to the Webster Dictionary. So the act, service is the act of helping or doing work for someone. And again, that someone, like fellowship, is Jesus. Christian service is then the act of doing work and showing God's love to one another with a willing heart. The motive for our service and dedication is love. Our love for God transformed indeed to our love for others. Again, we can go back to that vow shape. We have a vertical love for Jesus and we want to serve him, but to do that we must have a horizontal love for each other and we must want to serve each other. Jesus must be the core of our service. So if you can open your Bibles now to Acts um, 2, 42-47... to 47. And we'll see how the early church, and we'll see that the early church was in fellowship. Um, This is the verses that um, Denise read out earlier. So I'll give you a few minutes to get that. (coughs) Now I'm going to read from um, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So keep your Bibles open, because what we're going to do is we're going to go through those verses in detail. So first of all, we're going to start with verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We read they are devoted to each other. They are teaching each other. They are eating together and they are praying together. This is fellowship. That vertical fellowship with Jesus transformed or transferred into fellowship for each other. This is God's command. Remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? And he answered, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the vertical and the horizontal Love God first and then take that love horizontally and love each other. Um, We go to verse 43 and 44. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Everything in common. I think if you remember back to the definition of fellowship, that was it. Everything in common. Before they became followers of Jesus, they probably had nothing in common. Now they have everything in common. Jesus is everything. Simply, as stated to Moses in the Old Testament, I am. I am everything. We go to verse 45. They sold possessions, they sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. I would call that service. Giving to anyone in need. Serving those in need. This verse is also about sharing. The early church shared everything. We are not asked to share our possessions and we do not need to share, but we do need to share our lives and our troubles. This is part of fellowship. And serving, being vulnerable, sharing the good and the bad with people. If you are willing to help, share and serve others, You, in turn, must allow them to help, share, and serve you. This is true fellowship. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 46 is quite interesting. This could be labelled how fellowship is done. Early Christians met in two ways one in the temple court and one in their homes, one in the temple. The temple was big, a large congregation. It was a formal gathering. It was impersonal, directed at a large group. It was non-participational. The congregation were listening but not participating. It was spectator-orientated. This is in complete contrast to meeting in their homes, which is small and cosy. It was, an, it was an informal gathering. It was personal, directed at a small group. It was participation, participation orientated. People were expected to get involved. It was speaking, not just listening. It was about being involved. One large, one small meeting. One formal, one informal. One personal, one impersonal. One non-participational, one participational orientated. It seems like the disciples preached in the temple and then the believers went home and gathered in small groups to discuss what was said. And finally in verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They enjoyed the blessing of each other's company so much so that God added to their numbers. The love they had for each other attracted people who came to follow and the church grew. The passage on service I want to speak about was also one that Denise read out earlier, which is 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 4 to 7. If you want to look at that one. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, and to everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So let's also break this one down. Verse 4 and 5. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. Firstly, there are different kinds of gifts. We are all individuals. we all seen different people when we looked inside the coffin and we all have different gifts. My gift, for example, is not people orientated. I don't have a lot of sympathy and I would be terrible at pastoral care. If I'm honest, I haven't. <laughs> um, but that trait could be viewed as a weakness but it may also be considered a strength when operating the sound desk because quite often we don't get a chance to socialise before the service and quite often after the service we're loading, a, downloading podcasts and things and the computer's always locked up so we don't even get a coffee. Now for someone who's very social that would be a problem but for me that's not. For me, it actually takes the pressure off socialising. I like it. I sort of hope that it takes a long time sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're all different and we should all embrace our differences because as stated in this verse, our gifts were given to us by the Holy Spirit. One thing I do want to mention here is that we're all multi-skilled. We don't just... I can't just say, well, that's my gift. I'm going up there and doing nothing else. We may have one or a few special gifts, but that does not mean we cannot do other things and using other gifts to help others. Now, let me use me again in pastoral care. As I said earlier, I'd be terrible at it, really terrible at it. But what if Andrew called me one day and said, Graham, I've got someone in hospital who's struggling, Do you think you could come in with me to visit? Now that's still pastoral care. But the thing is, I'm really only there supporting Andrew. But the person who's lying in the hospital bed, they're going to be quite chuffed that two people turned up and not just Andrew. Because some people get the impression that Andrew turns up because he's the pastor, he has to turn up. So if two people turn up, the person's quite pleased. It's actually a win-win situation because Andrew's happy. He's got... He's got some company. The person in hospital is happy because they've got two people visiting and not just one. And guess what? I'm happy because now I've built a rapport with someone I wouldn't have otherwise. Even if I'm only there in presence and not saying a lot, it's still I've still built up the rapport. The person's probably going to be grateful next time they come back in church. So even though I would, even though I say pastoral care is uncomfortable for me, I can still do it. So if you feel uncomfortable about something, you can still do it. There's areas that we can still do. God can use us in areas where we don't have gifts. We just have to be willing to serve. In verse 6, there are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Not only is there different kinds of gifts, but there is also different kinds of work using these gifts. And again, we are multi-skilled and we can usually do many different kinds of work. I should point out that I'm not just speaking about working within the church, although that is important. Any work done in love is the work of God, or God at work, as verse 6 puts it. Verse 7, Now each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now the word manifestation means an event or an action. So if we replace the word manifestation in this verse with the word action, Now says, now to each one an action of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we are given an action. So we are gifted actions for the common good of people to serve other people to show the love of God. But the only way actions become gifts for the good of people if we get off our bums and actually implement these actions. And the reason we want to serve people at the end of the verse is to show the love of God. Again, is vertical and horizontal. Vertical gifts from the Father used horizontally as actions for the common good of people to show the love of God. But how can we live this out today? Well, let's go back to the coffin. The person you saw in a coffin is responsible for the growth and the well-being of this church. If our church is on a decline and going to die then all of us have some equity into that death. The person you saw in the coffin is not solely responsible for the growth or the demise of the church. We are all collectively responsible, but the person you saw in the coffin is the only person you have control over. It is no use going around saying, I do more than so-and-so. You have no control over so-and-so. If we are going to change and grow you And only you are the person who can initiate that growth. We do this with the following scriptures we have just read. Fellowship and service must have Jesus at the core. Like the valve shape, we must first have vertical fellowship with the Father through Jesus the Son. Then we can have fellowship with each other by the Holy Spirit. The following nine points... We're all in the scriptures we just read. We must be devoted to each other just as Jesus is devoted to us. We must teach each other. We must eat together. We must pray together. We must share together. We must give together. We must worship together in church and we must worship together in our homes in small groups. We must enjoy each other's company. That's an important one. And when we can do all that, God will add to our number daily. So we have a choice. We can stay in decline and eventually die and have a real funeral or we can all get involved and we can live and we can grow. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Help each one of us to be more devoted to each other. Help us all to teach each other. Help us to eat together more often. Help us to pray together Pray together more often. Help us to share the good and the bad together. Help us to give more freely to each other. Help us to worship together in church. Help us to worship together at home. Help us to enjoy each other's company. And please grow us all spiritually, so the community will be attracted to our church. Amen.